Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey guys, this is my leak and this is my podcast. It's been a while since I've gotten an email that seemed like it was one question on the surface, but after I really spent some time with it, I found that there was just so much more there. And I remember back in the day when I would get lots of questions from you and I would take one question and I have my highlighters, I have my pencils, I'm looping and connecting. And that's what I did again with this question here. As I started reading it, there were so many things that came up for me, and I'm going to share them here today. I have a lot of notes and very few concrete answers. If anything, my guess is that you'll walk away with something to think about. This may not be your story, but I know this is a topic that has affected a lot of people. So sit back, relax, and let's break this down. Here is the email. Malik, I've been following you for a few years and really value your insight. I especially enjoy that you seem to have a very fair, non-judgmental approach, which is why I'm sending you this question. She says, this is the short story. I'd love to hear your thoughts on if it's possible to change yourself before you're ready and what self-forgiveness looks like as the other woman. How do I stand up and believe in more for myself in all areas of life, though it's hard to believe I deserve more? And then she says, this is the long story. I am reeling from being the other woman. The relationship was a year-long whirlwind with the man I loved when I was younger. He loved me too, and we both friend-zoned each other till we reconnected and it all came flooding back, and this time without the pretenses. It is over now, and I'm not sure how to move on or feel about myself. I can't even tell most of my friends because the way some of them rag women like this. I can't entirely blame them. I never thought I would be able to say something like this until it happened. I don't know how to authentically manage the secret in future romantic relationships, like how soon to tell them, if at all. Most of all, I don't know how to feel about myself. How do I trust myself again? How do I stop the train of unavailable men? This is the first literal unavailable man, but exes have been emotional ghosts. I know the theory of repetition 
repetition compulsion, but how do I get the knowledge to resonate and to change behavior? And not because it's wrong, but because I want more for myself. Now, I could talk about how he chased me down every time I tried to end things. And I know a part of me felt seen by that. I'm mentally ready to own my part and change. I just don't know if my heart and body are ready to do that work. People want to change all sorts of things, but sometimes it feels like they just can't change until they can. I hope their luck hits me. So as I read through this question, I pulled out 10 sentences that I'm going to go through and I sort of like lumped some of these together and I'm going to lean on some info that I have collected and we are just going to get through this. But some of the questions I pulled were, is it possible to change before you're ready? What does self-forgiveness look like as the other woman? How do I stand up and believe for more of myself in all areas of life though it's hard to believe I deserve more? I'm not sure how to move on or feel about myself. I can't even tell most of my friends because the way some of them rag women like this. How to authentically manage the secret and future romantic relationships. Again, I don't know how to feel about myself. How do I trust myself? How do I stop the train of unavailable men? How do I get the knowledge to resonate and to change behavior? So I'm going to answer these and I want to preface this by saying these are not answers as much as they are offerings of how I would think about it. And the how is my how and it may not be yours. And since you wrote me, I'm going to tell you how I would think about all of this. So before we get started, I want to remind you to take what you need and leave whatever you don't right here on this podcast. So the first question I have is, I'm not sure how to move on and feel about myself. I don't know how to feel about myself. At two different times in this letter, you mentioned not knowing how to feel about yourself. Now, I'm going to rely on a person that I am a huge fan of and that I've had the pleasure of working with, um, clinical psychologist, child psychologist, Dr. Becky Kennedy, and her work at Good Inside, I'm a huge fan of. Something she has helped me understand as a parent is the principle of internal goodness. Now, she wrote a book this year and it's on my sort of must read list this year because so much that I have been able to add to my relationship toolbox has come from parenting. And so Dr. Becky holds the belief that all people are good inside. And trust me, I asked her about this over lunch one day. You can't possibly believe that all people are good inside because I know some seriously trifling people. And with a straight face, shaking her her head, yes. While she swallowed her soup, she enthusiastically said, I do. She says, at our core, we are all compassionate, loving, and generous. This idea or principle that all of us are good inside allows her to be curious about the why of our behaviors. Many of us were parented with this idea of internal badness. Why does she do that? What is wrong with her? You know better. So it's not a surprise that many of us berate ourselves in the same way. Why would I do that? What's wrong with me? I know better. 
while she's a child psychologist, I have been able to apply so much of what I learned about parenting into my adult life. And this is some gold that she offers. I really want you to write this down, type it into your phone, highlight it. She says, differentiating who someone is from what they do is the key to creating interventions that lead to impactful change. And you know, I got to read it again. She says, differentiating what someone, I'm sorry, differentiating who someone is from what they do is the key to creating interventions that lead to impactful change. Now, this has been helpful in how I see my children, right? Like who you are is not what you do. So holding on to that idea might open the door. This might open the door on the question of not knowing how to feel about yourself. Maybe you feel like you're bad because you did something you consider to be bad. And maybe inside, you know, you are a compassionate, loving, and generous person, right? And so there could be some conflict there. So let's hold on to that and continue on our journey through your question. Number two is the the next question I'm going to answer is, I can't even tell most of my friends because the way some of them rag women like this. Now, I'm going to go across town with this question because I feel like I need to lay a foundation for this statement before we can get into any of the the other questions. Um, Esther Perel, she is a psychotherapist who focuses on relationships. She podcasts, she TED Talks. She's got so much content out there. She has written books. If you are not familiar, like, please do yourself a favor and get to know her. But she wrote an exceptional book titled Rethinking Infidelity. And her general thought is the other woman needs sympathy too. Now, I can't tell your friends how to think, but I can share some things I've learned mostly by way of Esther about infidelity. She says that Whenever she's in a room and asks a group of people, how many of you have been infected, have been affected by infidelity in your life? She says about 85% of the room will raise their hand. She says infidelity is not just a twosome story. It's an experience that affects many people, children, siblings, friends, colleagues, wives, husbands, and lovers. And yet it is shrouded in secrecy, filled with shame and often addressed with major judgment. That's not helpful to the people who are actually experiencing it or to society as a whole. So the book, again, is Rethinking Infidelity if you want to dig more into this. But no matter the gender, whenever a person strays outside the boundaries of their relationship, that behavior is their own choice and responsibility. I'm not saying you aren't responsible. Astaire says that therapists, counselors, and even other experts and the rest of society typically typically writes the other woman off as selfish and calculating and says that, oh, that person had complex, you know. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And said, Esther says that the other person has complex motives, desires, and emotions of their own. So let's go back to your friends. They rag women like this because it's how we've all pretty much been conditioned to think. Are they right to do so? Can't say they are, but I wanted to share that piece because I knew Esther had a different approach to the idea of sort of this label um of being the other woman and also just the idea of how sort of like gendered you know we've never heard of the idea of the other man you know and how women sort of are always to blame whenever something like this happens either the wife wasn't good enough or the other woman was like calculating and so you know i get why these sort of conversations happen and you know, something that my mom and I used to talk about is how she, she hated to see, you know, women sort of like fighting in a situation like this when the man typically was the person who invited everybody to this party. So I'm going to move through to questions three, four, and five. How do I stop the train of unavailable men? How do I get the knowledge to resonate into changed behavior? How do I stand up and believe in more for myself in all areas of life, though it's hard to believe I deserve more? So I went digging for some thoughts on this one because I wanted some backup. I'll tell you that I found myself in this exact same position about 11 years ago after being ghosted by this guy that sort of had someone. Um, I decided to call This is, let's see, sort of had someone I decided to call the therapist my friend had suggested to me weeks prior. So years and years ago, I met someone who was unavailable. You know, I found myself in situations where people would be like, oh, I'm sorting something. I'm sort of not. And I had convinced myself that like, oh, this didn't matter to me, you know, but after feeling like this was my story far too often, I picked up the phone and I actually called the therapist my friend had suggested, you know, suggested I call. And one of my first sessions was like, what is this? And why do I keep ending up in the same situation? And I'll tell you, therapy was beyond helpful in getting me off the train of unavailable men. The first thing that clicked for me was that I was choosing the situation for so long I felt helpless. Like this was all that ever fell in my lap, you know, getting my mind around the idea that this was my choice empowered me 
if I am in fact choosing this, that means that I can choose something else. But like you, I too wondered how. Now here's the thing. While in the first year of therapy, (laughs) I met someone else in the same predicament. Once again, I chose this and it was fun until it wasn't. When it was coming to an end, I felt myself not only breaking it off with him, but also breaking it off with my behavior. I made this declaration that I just wasn't choosing to do that again. And I didn't. And you know what happened when I made this choice? I got my first test on a flight headed to New York City. Girl. I sit next to a guy, we strike, we strike up conversation and guess what he was going through? He was really unhappy at home and thinking about leaving his situation. I listened. I'm a good listener and don't mind talking to strangers. And as our flight descended into JFK, we exchanged numbers. He wanted to keep in touch. Within an hour or so, he invited me out for drinks with a group of colleagues and friends. And that is when I had a choice staring me down. Who are you, sis? Who are you? What do you choose? I declined. I'm not interested in any sort of relationship with someone in a relationship. That's what I said to myself. I don't care how bad it is. I don't care if you live in different cities. I am not choosing your situation for myself. I felt so empowered by politely declining the offer to meet for drinks. Now, because with with every part of this question, I can think of some, a a therapist, you know, an expert of, of, of relationships. And I thought about Dr. Alexandra Solomon. She's a licensed clinical psychologist. Surprise, surprise. I started laughing as I was writing the notes for this. I'm like, everybody is a licensed psychologist. Surprise, surprise. And that little meme that's going around, surprise, surprise. I can't get it out of my head. So anyway, when you asked this question, I thought about her. She's written a few books on the topic of relationships. And the one that I'm reading and loving is Loving Bravely. I think every single person in or out of a relationship or even in a situation should read it. But she said something that I that I made notes on and I want to share it with you. But she says, and I and I think I grabbed this She shares so much incredible content across social media, Facebook, Instagram, like her website, her book. But she says, some people can thrive in an ambiguously defined relationship. They reap the benefits of connection, play, and sex without the work of accountability and intimacy. Perhaps a situationship works well because your life is in transition and you need to stay agile and flexible. Perhaps a situationship reflects the current depth of your self-awareness. Staying in the shallow fits because you fear the deep waters of your soul. Smoke. But here's what I know for sure. If you are busting your ass learning how to swim so that you can dive safely into your depths, tolerating a poorly defined intimate relationship will wound you in familiar places. Why? Because you'll have to act again and again as if you don't see what you see, feel what you feel, and know what you know. And this is where she gets deeper. 
if you grew up in a chaotic family system, that was what you did to survive. You acted fine when you weren't and you relied on one person and one person alone, you. In a weird way, you have everything you need to tolerate low accountability love. Girl. But your healing rests on you striving for more than tolerance. Don't you finally deserve a relationship that makes space for all of you where you don't have to leave out the messy parts so that someone else feels okay? It's one thing to settle for ambiguity when you don't know better. But as you begin to heal, you develop a felt sense of being out of your own alignment and watching yourself not ask for clarity becomes an intolerable form of self-abandonment. All of that, all of that. And like I said, fascinated, enamored with, impressed by, blown away with this work. Um, And so, like I said, Dr. Alexandra Solomon, she's on social. She shares this rich content. And when I saw this, I flagged it and I'm like, oh, this is going to work for this question. Now, question six of this, of this, uh, of this question is how to authentically manage this secret in future romantic relationships, like how soon to tell them. I could be wrong, but I would only see this as a secret if you were doing it while in a relationship with someone. Things that happened in the past that I choose not to share aren't exactly a secret. I think even in a loving and honest relationship, I believe there are some things we can keep to ourselves if they're not going to really impact the relationship. Our partners won't know every every single thing about us, and that goes both ways, and that's okay. Um, if the opportunity arose, you could maybe say you've had some relationships you weren't proud of. I think that's authentic. Remember, 85% of that room raises their hands when asked if they dealt with infidelity. So while this may seem, you know, secret and taboo and all of that, it is not. Um, let's move on to question seven and eight what self-forgiveness looks like as the other woman and how do I trust myself again? So I talked about this a little bit earlier, but let's spend some more time with it. Though infidelity happens in all types of relationships, there is no phrase for the other man. There's an article in the Washington Post titled, it's a 2018 article by Maria Del Russo titled, Mistress Let the Other Woman, The Way We Talk About Relationships is Inherently Sexist. In the English language, the way we talk about men and women and their relationships to sex is gendered and sexist. While humans influence language, language also has the power to influence humans and their behavior. And so women are socialized through language to be nice, nurturing, sensitive, and men are socialized to be less expressive, you know, and they appear independent and dominating. And so even the word slut, they said in this article, is a derogatory term that describes women based on a non-specific number of sexual partners. Um, but it's been gendered for decades and it is inher- inherently female. And so the word mistress has no male equivalent. And so that influences behavior, you know, with people being more likely to blame the other woman. Um, and so for this I want to just drop the idea of the other woman and focus on self-forgiveness. 
There's not a single person that is walking this earth that hasn't needed forgiveness from someone else or from them from themselves. Many of us will have regret or shame or even self-blame for years. And here's the thing, being harsh with ourselves keeps us stuck. Mistakes, failures, and bad choices are a part of being human. Can I say that again? Mistakes, failures, and bad choices are a part of being human. They can be an opportunity for us to learn and grow. If we've never been embarrassed or wrong, or if we never make a mistake, we're probably wrapped too tight and way too deep in our comfort zones. This misstep could be a stepping stone forward. And so self-forgiveness is going to require you to lean into the parts of yourself that you typically keep some distance from. Forgiving yourself is going to be staying with the harm you feel you've inflicted just long enough to heal it. And so there's a forgiveness technique that I picked up from Diana Hill. Surprise, surprise. You know what she, you know what she is. But there's this forgiveness te- technique that she has given in four steps. And I, I, I've used it. And so she says, let's do it together. We're going to do the forgiveness technique together. And she says, step one is to get into a compassionate mindset. Practice a few soothing rhythm breaths, slowing your mind and body down. So I wasn't a big sort of breather, if you will, until I became a parent. Like calming my nervous system or even just quieting my mind. I didn't, I didn't really lean on breath work like I do now. And now that I do it, I can't stop. And it's so helpful. And so some deep breaths, there's even this app that I use. Um, I want to say it's called Slate, S-L-A-T-E. I think that's the name of it, but it's like these really easy, it's like five breathing techniques that I have done before landing, you know, I'll be on a plane and I'm just like, all right, let me get my mind right, you know, before bed, um, in the middle of the day. Um, but even when things are really feeling hard, I'm leaning on this sort of easy breathing, you know, one minute, 30 seconds, it really works. So you're going to practice, practice those soothing rhythm breaths. You just want to make sure you're breathing out longer than you inhale it works. So the next thing we're going to do is consider something that you've had difficulty forgiving yourself about. Try to make contact with that pain, that thing inside of your body. Try to find it. And now we're going to turn toward that pain with kindness and care, you know, as we would imagine your child hurting, imagine your close friend hurting, imagine a small child, you know, on a playground that's really in pain and hurting. And we're going to bring that same warmth and gentleness to ourselves and the part that is hard to forgive. And then we're going to practice some forgiveness dialogue with ourselves. And so you can say this aloud to yourself. You can write this down in your journal, in your phone, in your notes. So sometimes I may say something like this to myself. My leak, you are human. 
While at times you think it would be easier to go through life without making mistakes or hurting others or hurting yourself or making bad decisions, I need you to remember that living life gets messy. There will be days when you let yourself down and days when you let down others. You are human. You know that at your core, you are a compassionate, loving, kind, and generous person. Go ahead and forgive yourself, my league. Forgive yourself. Sit with this pain, and then I want you to release it. That's the self-talk. That's I spend time with myself. There's something about reminding myself that I'm human that is so helpful. You know, it's like, my league, you're human. You are going to do things that you're not going to love. And instead of, you know, the time that I would spend in the past sort of beating myself up is the time that I now spend with this forgiveness technique, this self-forgiveness technique. And so in regards to self-trust, self-trust is not trusting yourself to, to have all the answers, nor is it believing that you will always do the right things. It's being kind and respectful to yourself, regardless of the outcome of your efforts. You guys, we're not going to get it right all the time. That's a part of the human experience. And so the final question that I have for you is, is it possible to change before you're ready? And this is a tough one for me because what I know for sure is that change is not a passive process. Change requires our effort and realistic expectations. Improving our circumstances means we are going to have to improve ourselves. And improvement isn't always incremental. Improvement doesn't always feel good. And it does not always reward us right away. And so whether you're ready or not, I want to say this. Right now, in this very moment, you are good enough to change. Sometimes we wait for a feeling or a push. And I'm just going to tell you, there's a chance you're not going to feel it. And so you may have to start before you feel ready, knowing it is not going to be easy and it might feel hard because it can be difficult imagining what results look like for us. So two things that have been really helpful to make lasting change in my life are, number one, making sure I'm not in an environment holding me back. You heard what I said. Making sure I'm not in an environment holding me back. I've been in situations with people that supported and even encouraged behavior I was trying to escape. And sometimes you're in an environment where people may not be saying anything to you, but their behavior and the way they live their lives, you know, and the way they're making choices, they are not in alignment with where you're going. And so assess the environment. The second thing I can tell you is that change is hard without support. When I decided to make some serious changes in my life, I decided to go seek help. And I've told you guys, I've had the support of a longtime therapist and other friends that are also doing their work in therapy. Being able to talk about a session with a friend or even talk about things with someone who is doing their work helps me stay on track. They're encouraging and they get it. You know, they get how difficult this work can feel. 
was just laughing with a friend, <laughs> laughing with a friend a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, for those of you, and I don't know if this is the experience with like, when a therapist says, asks you a question that you know, they know the answer to. I wonder if, you know, and it's like, girl, you're not wondering, you know, <laughs> and you're right. So being able to have that dialogue with friends who, who get it and, and who can support you in the growth and in the discomfort in the me- and in the messier parts of life is going to be important. And so thank you for sending that question. And don't hesitate to email me if you want me to tackle something, you guys. You can email me at hey, H-E-Y, at mytaughtyou.com. The letters are always anonymous. And before we go, I want to remind you that you have the option to hear from me more often. I send a weekly email that's always short and usually filled with some deeper thoughts from a social post or things I'm feeling. Um, Longtime listeners might remember my what I'm feeling Friday emails. I think I'm going to bring those back. So if you want to upgrade your inbox, sign up at myleek.com. That's M-Y-L-E-I-K.com or mytaughtyou.com. And it is always helpful when you rate this podcast. Doing so allows me to do more of the things I really want to do, which is this. Until next time. Bye guys.